Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Ronald Murray about manual regulation therapy. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. Today, my guest is Dr. Ronald Murray. And Dr. Murray is a physical therapist, traditional naturopathy, and holds a doctorate in integrative medicine. He is the director of the Asclepion Center of Body-Mind Therapy in Silver Springs, Maryland. He has been on faculty of the Capital University of Integrative Medicine for 10 years, where he taught the colloid fluid model approach to craniosacral therapy. His mentors include Dr. John Upledger, who, among others, taught him advanced forms of body-mind work. Maria Gabrielle and Dr. Bradford has mentored him and Darkfield Microopathy. Sorry, screwed that one up. He has taken extensive from Dr. Conrad Worthman, Dr. Thomas Rao, and Dr. Kirk Slegel. He has attended um, the Biological Medicine Network's two-year curriculum, and his passion is synthesizing the conceptual framework of energetic and biological medicine and their influences on the autonomic nervous system. So I am so happy to have you here today, Dr. Murray. Um, And I have to admit, you know, I really love Dr. Upledger's work. So I'm really thrilled to hear what you have to offer our listeners today. Well, thank you very much, Amy. And this is a great pleasure to be able to get this work out here because it is a little bit different than what most people are used to or have heard of. And um, it's a very, very, very effective in um, uh, working with TBI problems. But what I always like to do is kind of take people down along the path that I took in kind of developing this work and my personal journey and, and so forth. So I'll begin with um, going way back to um, the late 70s, uh, early 80s, where I was actually uh, competing in what's called Olympic-style weightlifting. And I had um, been training for two years and won the regional championships and 
was at that point in time aspiring to make the Olympic Games. And then I developed uh, what's called a patellofemoral tracking problem um, in the right knee, which every joint is surrounded by this kind of capsule, this fibrous capsule. And in that particular knee, it was compressed. And so when I did this heavy lifting, it would reproduce this incredible pain. So I then began a very long journey. It took, uh, unfortunately, about six years. And that is oftentimes what happens with the patients that I see, that they've been on their journey for many, many years before they find me. So I see these relationships uh, even way back then. But I ended up seeing all the professional uh, orthopedists for all the sports teams, the Redskins, the Bullets, the Wizards, all these people. And essentially they told me to either live with the pain or or quit lifting. And that was just at that time, you know, I'm, I'm young, I'm vibrant, I'm enthralled, I'm passionate. It was unacceptable. So I continued my search and I actually ended up finding a guy from New York. His name was Dr. David Brody, a brilliant orthopedist who was at GW, George Washington University at the time, heading up the exercise physiology program. And they had a, a runner's clinic for poor people like me who were college students, right? So I go in there and they do this videotaping of me running and they find that I'm pronating as I'm running. And so that just means that my feet are kind of turning out a little bit. So what they do is they fabricate a pair of orthotics for me and this completely wiped away the pain for about uh, six months. So though as I continued to increase my training loads, the pain came back. So now we're looking at on and off. I've been looking for this help for about six years, and I only had really one other choice. And at that time, we're talking early 80s, it, it was exploratory surgery. It was, it was minor because all you would do is uh, put a couple of holes in there and take a look. So he did that. I volunteered for that. I could have just simply walked away from the sport because it never bothered me otherwise. But this is what I wanted to do with my life, and I had some talent to do it. So anyway, he goes in, he takes a look, and guess what? He doesn't find anything wrong. But because he's treated some of the most elite athletes in the world, he did what's called a lateral release, where he just decompressed that fibrous capsule uh, in my knee, which um, which was to, to help um, – resolve the problem. Unfortunately, what he didn't tell me is the rehab would be a year, and then I had to get the joint um, aspirated six times in that year because it had swelled so much. So that was that was pretty extreme. Um, finally, I, um, I was able to train. It, it, it completely resolved the problem, and then, lo and behold, I fracture my wrist, my lower back starts to hurt, I'm now in my late 20s, another Olympic year goes by, and I'm starting to think, you know what, Amy, if I'm going to pursue academia, I better start thinking about doing it right now. So in, in this process of trying to find the right help, I really got interested in medicine, but because all the orthopedists only spent two minutes with me, and because I could never, ever, even at that time in my life, um, 
consider uh, studying pharmacology, I um, had met a group of chiropractors and physiotherapists that were very helpful along the way and thought that that might be a good uh, pursuit of my life. And, and if I could prevent one individual from going through what I had to go through, it would be well worth it for me. So that, that was kind of my uh, beginnings. Um, then ultimately what I wanted to do is I wanted to take this training I did get accepted to a physiotherapy school, and at that time it was very interesting because um, it was in the late 80s, and there were so few schools, and it was so competitive, it was actually more difficult to get into physiotherapy school at that time than it was medical school. So I found that uh, very interesting. So I felt very fortunate to get in. They took 100 applicants, interviewed 75 people for 18 positions, and 13 graduated. So that just gives you just an idea of how competitive that program was. But anyway, what I had planned on doing once I got out of school was to go to Colorado Springs, which was the Olympic Training Center, and do what's called biomechanical analysis of sport. Because of my undergraduate studies, I had a strong aptitude for math and science and thought that would be the perfect combination for me. But you know how the universe works. And as I was in physiotherapy school, my orthopedic instructor, his name was Joe Casino, affectionately called the Godfather. And he was, it took all the postgraduate training at Michigan State University in osteopathy. And at that time, Michigan State University was the mecca of osteopathy in the world. And I don't know how much you know or the audience knows about osteopathy, but the original osteopaths were the greatest manipulators in the planet. They can manipulate every structure in the body, the cranium, the brain, uh, the internal organs, the long bones, everything. Uh, And uh, so um, I received this training from him and I became absolutely enthralled by it. So then... Uh, a second thing happened to me that was very unique. As a senior in the school, I became the assistant athletic trainer of the school, one of them, and Joe ran the sports medicine clinic. So the whole year, all we did was we practiced, and uh, I was supervised and utilizing like 25 of these osteopathic techniques and developed an incredible uh, proficiency in the utilization of these techniques. So um, upon graduation, I completed the arduous task of being trained by many world-renowned experts in fossil, cranial, visceral, and somatoemotional manipulation, in addition to many other modalities. So, yeah, go yeah, ahead. So- I, I'd like to jump into, you know, what yeah. it is that you do. And, you know, the title of your podcast is Manual Regulation Therapy. So why don't we start with just kind of dissecting what that means? Well, I'm getting there now. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, leading, I'm leading right into that now. So from the integration of all this work, so I've had this uh, fossil, cranial, visceral, somatic, emotional manipulation in addition to many other modalities from the integration of all this work, a fluid model would evolve that I would explore as my life's work. And this would include the profound influence of the extracellular matrix and the autonomic nervous system. So a very brief description of both. 
First, the extracellular matrix is the microscopic communication highway in the body in which all electromagnetic fields and biochemistry reach their target cells and organs. So what that means is all of the energetics and all the electromagnetics travel through this, but also everything that you consume, Amy, is broken down into its elemental forms and carried through that matrix into the target cells and into the organs. So if there's any rigidity due to heavy metal toxicity, due to some large proteins, that creates a sympathetic charge, which then creates inflammatory processes and all kinds of things. So by doing my body scan, I'm able to pick up these what we call interference fields throughout the matrix in the body, and uh, I'm able to alter that through these very gentle manipulation techniques I utilize. So that's kind of uh, what, what happens with the work. Um, and let's see. So um, let me take a, a, a brief step back, if I can, to the late 80s and 90s when I began my practice. And understand at this time I had no reliable way to measure the autonomic nervous system. This would become a huge problem for me at the time because many of my patients would come in for localized problems and their systemic problems would resolve. So I would have a patient that would come in with a neck problem and uh, radicular symptoms, maybe down the arm, pain, and so forth. And I would treat them four to six times and then they would come back to me and they would say, well, you know, Doc, feeling a little better, but can you explain to me why or how my um, my blood pressure is normalized after being uh, under these medications for four years. So I would keep getting these types of systemic responses. I had a woman that was being seen in Hopkins for an irritable bowel syndrome, and she went through this psycho-emotional catharsis and then she went back later and found that all her inflammatory markers had reduced as a result of the work that we had done. So then the final one, that the final patient that I'd like to, or at least one of them that I would like to mention, is I had a, a 28-year-old marathon runner that I was treating who had uh, a very low back pain, and that's what I was treating her for. But in addition to that, she had cervical dysplasia, which is a... Um, it's when the tissue of the cervix starts to move toward a cancerous condition. And she had this for four years. And at 28, they did a scraping and pap smear every three to four months for four years. And then as I was working on her, she went through the psycho-emotional catharsis around some issues that she had with her mother. And as a result of that, I saw her two or three times afterwards. She went back for her pap smear and scraping and the tissue was normal, and this was the only intervention that she had gotten. So it was clear to me that there was something much bigger going on with the work that I was doing, but I didn't have at that time all the experience necessary or the academic information to really put all of that together. And that would that would come as I continued uh, the process. So let's fast forward to the year 2000, once I received my doctoral degree in integrative medicine, and then there was a heart rate variability that was developed. 
and that's an objective and reproducible piece of equipment to actually measure this autonomic nervous system. So again, the autonomic nervous system consists of the sympathetic nervous system, which is, of course, that fight or flight reaction, and then the parasympathetic system, which is regenerative and supports the immune system. So they're really critical in all illnesses. All illnesses are really very, very critical. So um, let's see. So what yes. what experience do you have with people with brain injury or a stroke? Um, you know, what, what are you finding to be some of the therapies that help, um, that, you know, like the non-traditional stuff? Like for me, cranial sacral therapy was a game changer. And I didn't even get there for like 18 months. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, and so what, what are some of the therapies um, that you are finding to help people with brain injury? Well, right. Well, see, it's the accumulation of all the training that I've had from the manipulations, from biological medicine, taking this extracellular matrix and understanding the significance of that and doing the cranial manipulation. So, again, I was leading to more uh, patient and case studies, but one I will tell you about is I had a, a patient that actually Dr. Esty had sent me who had five um, concussions. She was 17 years old. And I did my body scan, which is again being able to evaluate the motility throughout the body. So I saw that she had a torsion in the distal tibia of her ankle. Okay. And I asked her about it, and she said, Well, I had uh, injured that and went into a walking cast for three months. So that's a pretty significant injury because if, in fact, that doesn't work, she needs extensive surgery to rebuild those ligaments, okay? So then as I did the rest of my body scan, I found that the liver wasn't moving. So all the internal organs kind of moved toward the midline and away from the midline. And then the final thing, of course, was the cranial base. You cannot have a concussion without having a C1 and C2 problem because the dural membrane that surrounds and invaginates the brain attaches to C1 and C2. So there is significant cranial base dysfunction as well as internal tensions on that membrane system in the cranium. So those were the three things I, I, I uh, found with her, but I started as my entry point in working in that ankle. And within five minutes, Amy, I reproduced every concussion symptom that she had, which included headaches, dizziness, light sensitivity, uh, tracking problems with her eyes, and so forth. So where are the connections with that and how many physicians or how many practitioners are looking at things other in the, otherwise in the body that are preventing or influencing uh, the, the, the concussion problem. And so that's what I did. So I treated that for a while then went to the liver and even reproduced those symptoms more, ultimately getting to the cranium and, and then to the brain. And she, again, with five concussions, uh, there's a percentage of people that I treat where 2.5 to 5% of them 
this work exacerbates their condition. And if you know cranial sacral therapy, you know that it's very, very gentle in its, in its form. And she was one of them. I got a call from her mom that night, and she said, God, she's having the worst headache of her life. And I told her that's to be expected. And so as we worked together, we resolved about 95% of, of all her problems. So that's, that is kind of the orientation to the evaluation process of doing this body scan and ultimately what I need to do in order to completely resolve this. So I'm looking at this distal tibia. I'm manipulating the internal organs. I'm going to the brain and manipulating the cranial base or C1, C2, and the uh, internal dural monitor in which all the blood supply or all the dural, I'm sorry, all the all the venous supply, all the cerebral spinal fluid, and some arterials actually run through. So here's, here's the crime almost. Many, many patients that have concussions initially are sent home and is told to stay in the house for 12 weeks without any stimulation. So what happens? What happens to the brain when it gets traumatized? There's an inflammatory response. There's a reduction of stasis, what we call stasis, which is a poor exchange of fluids going in and out. How is the brain going to heal under those conditions, Amy? They're not. So they should be seeing someone like me immediately. They should be getting this work immediately because we can reduce the stasis, we can increase the fluid exchange, we can promote healing and take off the dural tension that's on the cranial nerves and creating a lot of the types of symptoms that they're experiencing. So it's, it's, it can be very magical for, for many, many people. I know for me, um, cranial sacral therapy was, I mean, I hadn't had anything up until this point other than just chiropractic treatment and within, I don't know, three or four treatments with him, the, the, what I described as fog, I, I, I described it as I had this thick fog in my head 24 seven. And he explained to me that that was actually like the pressure I was feeling inside my head. And within just a few treatments, um, I started to feel the fog like lifting, so to speak. And after working with him, I believe I did, I know, I know I did at least like four to six weeks with him. Um, and at the end of that, the fog was completely gone and that freed up energy. You know, I was, I, it, it cleared, the fog cleared and I was able to concentrate more and I had more energy. Um, and I was just, it, it just relieved a lot of symptoms. It was sort of a domino effect. Once you got that fog out of there, it helped relieve a lot of my other symptoms. And um, that was the first step in the right direction for me. And like I said, I didn't get there for 18 months. <laughs> you know, I yeah. can't, you know, if, if I, <clears throat> excuse me, if I could have gotten there early on, I just, you know, I can't imagine how much better my, my recovery would have been. Um, and exactly. I know that, that that's your point exactly, right? Like the sooner people it, can it get is. these treatments. Yeah, I just, you know, and, and the strange thing is, is that, uh, you know, at least the neurologist and I, I mean, we can speak the same language, at least anatomically and physiologically. And 
again, the, the other point is, is that uh, there's this sympathetic system that's upregulated that this work actually downregulates. And I used, again, heart rate variability, which is objective and reproducible to actually show these changes. So, you know, it's not, it's not like there hasn't been some, some research done on this type of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating that, um, that, you know, the, the community at large uh, doesn't really realize the influence and effects that this type of work has. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's powerful. And, you know, unfortunately, mainstream medicine, um, you know, no fault of their own, you know, they're not learning this stuff in school. And, you know, mainstream medicine serves its place. And, you know, like an emergency room, their job is to make sure you're not going to die. Um, but then they send you home and don't really tell you any follow up. They might tell you to go see your general doctor, but, you know, they don't tell you anything to look for or what to be concerned about. And you're left in a dark room for weeks on end. And, you know, you, you get frustrated and you don't know where to turn. And so um, finding alternative modalities is so critical. And, you know, that's exactly why I do these podcasts and have guests like you on so that we can help people discover other modalities that exist out there. And, you know, PTs, OTs, um, naturopathic, functional neurologists, you know, there, there's so many out there that can help people. Um, and we just have to be that bridge to help people find them. Just really think you're doing a wonderful job in, in both the podcast and the books that you've written and, and moving people in, in that type of direction. And I, I myself, for a while, uh, not only did I teach at Capital University this work to uh, a, a group of different people, dentists, chiropractors, MDs, PTs, uh, you know, that type of thing. But also I worked for a little bit at uh, GW and actually was able to teach the first and second year medical students uh, this work as well. Uh, so, you That's know, it, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice to be able to to um, to get the word out and, and spread the word. But it, and, and you are starting to find uh, people that are more and more interested, but um, uh, not many. You know, it's like uh, this extracellular matrix that I had spoken to you about earlier. It's it's the absolute information highway in the body, and and like you can Google it and and get a ton of information. And they've been studying it for seventy five years in Germany, but you know nobody nobody even considers it in America. And as I said with that young lady that I treated, you know, here I'm treating her ankle. And it's through this matrix that I'm reproducing every single symptom in her in her brain. So what's the what's the explanation for that? I mean, so you one thing I'm really trying to convey to you here is that really when you see a concussion patient, you you have to take a look at everything. Yes. And you know you have to really take a look at everything, and and that's what I do in my work, and that's why I think. Yeah, I have a really high success rate, and I've treated everything from newborn babies uh, that have had birth trauma to um, a severe motor vehicle patients, as well as uh, many wounded warriors. There's a huge psycho-emotional component to this work uh, that comes out as I'm doing it, but it's not something that I go after aggressively. It comes up as an image or as a memory or something like that, and then we dialogue and use uh, various 
uh, other things to uh, uncouple uh, that particular event from the emotional charge, which is, again, a sympathetic charge. So we, we, you know, we always have to think in these terms of sympathetic, parasympathetic, because it's this yeah. charge is, that is, um, is creating the, the issues, really. And we, we all overstimulated in our culture, and we're all, all sympathetically yeah. upregulated. And, and to be a bit town regulate that system. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's it. And it, it happens. And I can see the changes because I do this heart rate variability on uh, many of the concussion patients. And you can see the high sympathetic charge. And as we go through the work, you know, I retest them and you can start to see uh, the normalization of that autonomic nervous system. So that's that's the beauty in what I'm doing. I'm trying to put some objective uh, data together in addition to, you know, just getting people better, you know, just giving them away. And that's, and that's, that's really what it's about. And, you know, one thing you touched on, you know, the brain runs every single system in our body. So if our brain isn't working right, you know, there's definitely going to be other parts of our body that aren't functioning, whether it's the gut or the autonomic system or, you know, our eyes. Um, so it's really important for a doctor to look at all the components. And I feel like doctors like you who've been through something, um, you know, whether, you know, in your case, you know, it was your weightlifting pain or a doctor who has been through a concussion of their own or cancer or whatever it is. I feel like those are the best doctors because they've been the patient. Um, yeah, so I you thank know, I, you. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't mention very quickly when I was 10, I was actually hit in the head by a car and <sighs> uh, was knocked unconscious and taken to the hospital actually by the people that ran over me. And, um, it was funny. I was on a gurney and uh, I got up and I was in this room by myself and got up and, and took a step and collapsed. Right. Yeah. So I couldn't walk on my right leg for a week and they never, never understood that I had a traumatic brain injury. So what ended up happening, believe it or not, many, many years later in physiotherapy school, we were doing a cranial nerve test and I figured out that I had to had this problem because my left eye didn't dilate when we did a light test. And so oh, wow. I, I, I was able to track that back to the, um, to the actual head injury. So that's, that's just another uh, little yeah, piece and, for you there. But I, I did and, you know, and that happens time. so common. Yeah. It's so common, especially injuries yeah. that happened that long ago. Um, but Dr. Murray, thank you so much. We are out of time, but I just appreciate oh, yes, you taking yes, the time yes. to be here. And this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, and thank you for all that you're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for all you're doing. And it was great to be able to uh, get this information out there. That's what I'm really, really about and really trying to do. Awesome. Well, you continue doing your awesome work. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And you can always find previous episodes of our podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can also subscribe through iTunes. And a huge thank you to Minnesota Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. 
Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you so, so much for being a part of my journey. And I will see you again next time, everyone. Have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.